0: Welcome to Jyotish Conversations, a weekly series presented by Pujanet, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T, your Vedic resource on the web. Each week we feature a half-hour conversation with a leading practitioner of Jyotish, Vedic astrology, our goal is to make this ancient knowledge interesting, understandable, and somewhat less mysterious. So here's this week's show, and thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Penny. Hello, Ben. I have a question for you. Sure. If my son is in Aries in the West, why isn't it that way in the East, in Jyotish?
1: Ah, the how come my son's not in Aries question. (laughs) (laughs) So all Vedic astrologers who deal with um, people that have had charts done in the Western system Mm -hmm. usually have to do some identity crisis counseling. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Anyone who is familiar with their sun sign feels profoundly uncomfortable if that shifts. And if what they're told in their Jyotish chart doesn't line up with the newspaper dates, it kind of doesn't reflect so well on Jyotish because, after all, this is in print. right. (laughs) So a very basic question is, how come my son's not an Aries? You know, why is there this discrepancy? Why is there this difference? So in answering this question, let's just back up a little bit to what we talked about last time, which is the limbs of Jyotisha. When we talked about the limbs of Jyotisha, we started out with the first limb being Gola, which was uh, basically spherical astronomy and then ganita which is basically calculation and this is a very relevant question glad you asked it because the starting place for all of jyotisha is observation and calculation exactly right. that right the difference between the um position of a graha in the um, Jyotisha system, as opposed to Western system, has to do actually with the point of reference for uh, calculating or mapping where a planet is mm-hmm. in its uh, in its transit. And the reason there is the discrepancy is because there's a different point of reference used. It's kind of as simple as that. The point of reference is different. Western astrology uses uh, a point of reference uh, known as the vernal equinox. So in other words, their point of reference is uh, wherever the sun is on the vernal equinox. That is zero degrees Aries. Okay.
0: Okay, so that's springtime.
1: That's springtime. Right. So the vernal equinox being when the sun is um, uh, crossing the celestial equator, the ecliptic is intersecting and the sun is crossing and going on to its, um, uh, up to the highest point, right. Right, which right. happens on the uh, summer solstice. So at that point of the vernal equinox, the first day of spring, uh, when day and night are roughly equal, that coincides with zero degrees Aries. In the and and actually that system it's known as a tropical system okay. and tropical uh, actually pertains to the turning the turning of the path of the sun you know it's turning towards this highest point going towards its highest point that's what tropical comes from
0: and the, and its highest point would be the first day of summer right that's it, it's the longest day
1: exactly yeah. so it's crossing uh, and going up to that uh, highest point and then uh, on the summer solstice it starts descending down and it then we get to the fall the autumn uh, equinox right. and then it's turning towards its lowest point in uh, 21st of December right?
0: so there's a certain logic to it I mean it's not arbitrary sure. right
1: oh yeah absolutely but the the um, situation is, that zero degrees Aries and the vernal equinox, from the point of view of the actual backdrop of the constellations, don't have a one-to-one correspondence over time. Mm -hmm. Now that's kind of an abstract notion, so I'll try to explain that a little more clearly. What happens is, when the sun comes back to... March 21st, the next year, it doesn't exactly hit zero degrees Aries. It misses it by about 50 seconds of arc, very tiny, tiny, tiny little uh, amount. And over years, that builds up. It takes about 72 years, and then it's missing it by a whole degree. So after 72 years, what a tropical um, astrologer calls zero degrees Aries is actually 29 degrees Pisces. Does that make sense to you? Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it has slipped back. Now, why? Why doesn't it come all the way back to zero degrees Aries every year? Well, I don't want to get too technical, but it has to do with the way the Earth rotates on its axis, mm-hmm. there's a little kind of wobble due to the fact that the Earth has um, middle age bulge.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: And it also has to do with the, some of the gravitational pulls of, of the uh, Sun and Moon. So there's a little kind of wobble, the best word to use. And that causes this little uh, slippage, it's called precession. Of the vernal equinox if the vernal equinox actually is slowly moving a little bit backwards so what's marked as zero degrees Aries is actually less than zero degrees Aries a little less than a little less than and that builds up over time until um, the stars that form the constellation of Aries are no longer um, seen, and what's called zero degrees Aries. If you actually map the planet, look at the planet through the telescope, what you're seeing are the stars in the con- in the constellation of Pisces. This is one of the reasons that uh, astronomers um, poke fun at astrologers. Right. Because they're busy saying, "Oh, Jupiter is in Sagittarius now," and they're looking through their telescopes and saying, "What is with these guys? You know, Jupiter is in Scorpio. You know, I see it right at the, you know, right at the, um, right in the in the Scorpion's pinchers. <laughs> you know, well, and, and and they're basing
0: it on their own observation. It's right, sure, right?
1: Sure, right. but but in fact um it is the observation that the that the, that the planet um, is not where a tropical astrologer says it is now this is not dissing tropical astrology I want to make this very clear that tropical astrology is a divination system coming back to what I talked about before and within a divination system it's internal consistency and following um, uh, its uh, its rules, its guidelines. A practitioner can have, you know, whatever inner worldview they want, uh, and the system works and it's consistent and you get good results. Okay, so it's not about which one is better, but there is uh, it is true. On the other hand, that the system that's used in Jyotisha, which is uh, not tropical but sidereal. Which means pertaining to stars uh, is a system where the graha or the planet actually is mapped against the star grouping that uh, corresponds to um, the name you're calling it.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, so in in an i in in a, in a sense, then the the cho- tropical represents somewhat of a more idealized. Um, vision of of how the earth would rotate if it did not wobble.
1: If it didn't wobble, yeah. You you could think of it that way. But, you know, a kind of convenient convention uh, which isn't always adhered to by Jyotishis, especially those who uh, have a western background, is to discriminate between the word constellation and the word sign. Ah. So, basically, if, if Western astrologers call uh, the positions of their planets, you know, Jupiter is in the sign of, no problem, okay? Right. But, and if Jyotishis would stick with Jupiter is in the constellation of, or the Rashi of. Right. You see, the, the word for uh, constellation in Sanskrit is Rashi. And Rashi actually translates as a heap of something, a heap of stars, a group of stars. And so because um, Jyotisha deals with Sidereal, it's dealing with a heap of stars, a particular constellation of stars. And when that uh, planet is mapped uh, and said to be in a constellation, it is in that constellation. If you look through a telescope, you know, like now uh, in the uh, sidereal system, uh, Jupiter is in Sagittarius. And if an astronomer who, you know, would just die on the spot if if he thought he was doing anything astrological,
0: yes.
1: <laughs> was asked, you know, on one elbow a Western astrologer, on the other elbow a Jyotishi, where's Jupiter, uh, that astronomer would say, well, Jupiter is in the teacup. It's in the the constellation of Sagittarius, Mm -hmm. because that's where it is. Now, why? Why is that? Well, instead of using the reference point of the vernal equinox and equating that to zero degrees Aries, Jyotisha uses a different reference point. It uses a fixed reference point. Now, in the long range um, future you know out eons and eons nothing is fixed but for the purpose of you know where we sit the the fixed stars are are pretty fixed so there is a there happens to be very conveniently uh, in the in the convention that's most widely used in India, and there are arguments about this then it's not like there's no arguments. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of, of, uh, of mapping, and it has to do with, well, I'll tell you what it has to do with in, in just a minute. People that are a little more technically oriented might enjoy the little, uh, just a little more detail about it, but I want to get the broad stroke out here. Uh, in most widely used convention, zero degrees Aries is pointed to by a marker star. And this marker star is on the ecliptic, it's on the apparent path of the sun as it um, travels around the Earth because we are a geocentric system. We we look at uh, the zodiac from planet Earth. Right. Taking planet Earth as a center. So it's a geocentric system. And in that geocentric system, we observe the sun moving around the Earth. And that's fine. Everybody understands it's the other way but we're dealing with divination once <laughs> again right. a divination system and this is this is the useful way of dealing with it so the 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 sun tracks uh, or creates a path you know kind of like a little race track and the sun is always in the middle of that racetrack, track and it creates a complete arc the zodiacal uh circle as it goes around the earth and there's a daily motion and there's a yearly motion two different kinds of motions that are used in mapping uh, a jyotish chart Sure. But for now, that path of the sun is called the ecliptic, and the sun is always tracking right in the center of that path. Okay, So uh, this pointer star, it's very useful that it's right on the ecliptic, and it sits at 30 degrees of Virgo or zero degrees of Libra, whatever you want to state it. Right. And that happens to be 180 degrees away from zero degrees Aries.
0: Right. Right. What's the Libra. name of the star?
1: Well, I'm just about to get to that. Uh-huh. In the uh, we would know it as Westerners as Spica, right. and uh, in um, in the Indian system it's called Chitra, and Chitra it means a jewel, and this star is jewel like. It has a very um, uh, powerful light. It's very bright. And that, of course, is a huge advantage as well. So this very bright marker star kind of points the way across the heavens to zero degrees Aries. And so um, the, the the system uh, of, of calculating how far the tropical and the sidereal um, zodiac have diverged from each other, uh, that difference is all, is a portion that needs to be either added or subtracted depending on whether which way you're going, whether you're converting from tropical to sidereal or converting from sidereal to tropical. You have to account for this slippage or this precession of the vernal equinox in order to understand the equivalence of where a planetary position is. So you could have a Western chart, for example, and if you knew... How many little years of 50 seconds of arc <laughs> yeah. the um, um, vernal equinox had moved backwards, then you could add that onto the sidereal position and get the tropical, or you could subtract it from the tropical to get the sidereal. And I'll do a little example of that in just a second. Once upon a time, and in fact, about every 25,000. 800 years, I think is the, is the number. There is the phenomenon of coincidence or coincidence of the, um, tropical and sidereal. And let me give you the Sanskrit names also because they I think people should understand that too. The, uh, sayana chakra, that means the moving wheel. That refers to the tropical where the equinox, the vernal equinox, is slipping back or moving. Mm-hmm. And then the nirayana chakra is the wheel without movement. And that refers to the sidereal pertaining to the stars and therefore stable because the fixed stars are not seen to move. So about um, 285 AD, and this is where the controversy is, exactly what year um uh, most uh most astrologers in India, and there was a convention around this, some meeting around this, and it was decided to adopt this as the official um coincidence, and then able to use the difference. The difference between the um tropical and sidereal is referred to as the ayanamsha, which means the moving part. Mm-hmm. And the and Ayinamsha, when the two zodiacs coincided at 285 AD, would be zero. There would be no difference. But the very next year, there would be a 50-second difference. Right, and then the right. year after that, and the year after that, and then, as I mentioned, 72 years later, there would be already a one-degree difference, and the Ayinamsha would be one degree. And then over the years, all these years... It has built up and today, as we speak, then mm-hmm. the ayanamsha now is 23 degrees, 58 minutes and 42 seconds. So that's quite a difference. And oh, yeah, that's it does.
0: Difference. Yeah, it adds up.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of moving towards Aquarius. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's proceeding back in Pisces. And so if you had a, a graha, um, that was um, around seven degrees of uh, Pisces in the sidereal system, mm-hmm. um, and that's quite far back into Pisces. Um, a Western astrologer would say that planet would be slightly over one, uh, slightly over zero degrees Aries. Right. So that's a big difference: yeah, seven yeah. degrees of Pisces to zero degrees or so Aries. And if you, again, if you looked at that planet through a telescope, well, first of all, the stars in Pisces are hard to see and so are the stars in Aries. <laughs> they happen to be some of the darker uh, constellations. Okay. Uh, but let's say it was powerful enough and you knew enough astronomy. You would see that star in Pisces seven degrees. You would not see it in Aries. Okay. So, you know, As you mentioned, one is maybe more idealized, and it's not like it's not workable within the Western system. The problem comes when um, you use these words sign and constellation um, interchangeably. Uh, It's much easier to keep it clear. The sign of Aries is more the idealized system that you're talking about. The constellation refers to the actual star group that you see the planet against Mm. when you look through telescope. Is that clear? Did I make that
0: clear enough? Oh, I think that is very clear. I mean, I I think it's really fascinating because it does remind us in a way that we are dealing with very, very long periods of time. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. You know, we were talking about Spica, the star. Uh That um, uh, uh, Hipparchus um, used that star to discover the procession of the equinoxes because originally in Egypt, in Thebes, there was a temple that was made with reference to that star and that temple was uh, constructed in 3200 BC and then over time, so it was was constructed in 3200 BC aimed at that star and then over time the star disappeared, Mm. right, because because the the earth continues to wobble and so everything changes and so this whole thing of, of procession of equinox, you know, it is something that um, takes vast amounts of time to be manifest, but it makes perfect sense. And mm-hmm. So, you know, of course, and yet it's not something that we can really see on a day-by-day or year-by-year basis.
1: Yeah, exactly. However, the accumulation since um, 285 A.D., is such that we do have this discrepancy. Oh sure. Now I mentioned that there is some confusion as to this actual coincidence, and so we have, you know, some varying points of view. So, for example, uh, B. V. Raman said mm-hmm. that the coincidence was 397, and Krishnamurti uh, uses 291, and so there, Ayanamsha is a little bit different value because when you keep adding the 50 seconds you wind up with a little bit different value when you use a different year for coincidence. Right. And so, you know, that's the source of, you know, some angst in the (laughs) Jewish community. But as I mentioned, there was a whole, you know, conference, you know, the Indian government um, had a whole convention and different points of view were put forward. And the official um, government position on Ayanamsha is, uh, which was put forth by Lahiri, Um, is this uh, Chitra Paksha Ayanamsha, known as Lahiri uh, Ayanamsha, and it's based on um, 285 and Spica, uh, or Chitra being the reference point. So just for fun, um, I looked at the position of Saturn and Mars today. Okay. And um, uh, and so there's actually a, a point to saying this uh and and part of the point is that the identity crisis doesn't always happen.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. It
1: depends on exactly where the planet's located. So what do I mean by that? Well, that's what I'm about to tell you. So Saturn today in uh, in its sidereal position is 10 degrees uh 10 minutes of Leo. If you add the Ayamamsha on 23 58 42 you wind up with a tropical position of 4 degrees, 8 minutes, and about 42 seconds in Virgo. So in fact, if someone was attached to having their Saturn in Leo, I don't know why they would be, but <laughs> if <Yeah>. they were. <laughs> right. um, they may be concerned that if they switch to Western astrology, it's going to be in Virgo. Uh, or vice versa. If someone liked the idea that their Saturn was in Virgo, they, I decide I don't want to... Have my chart done by a Jyotishi because they're going to tell me that my Saturn is now in Neo, and I can't hack that. of course, it gets worse when it's the sun but um <laughs> <laughs> but this this example will suffice uh, uh, and then on the other hand, Mars today is uh, at about oh gosh, I didn't write that one down uh, Mars is somewhere around three well let me let me find this as we're uh, three eleven 311, good, thank you. So it's about 311, and if you add on the Ayanamsha to that, um, yeah, 3 degrees, uh, 10 minutes, actually, when I um, calculated it earlier. Uh, If you add the Ayanamsha onto that, you get Mars of Leo, by the way. That was 310 or 311 Leo. If you add the Ayanamsha on, you get Mars at 270842. Leo didn't change signs. Why? Because it was very uh, close to the beginning of the uh, constellation or the Rashi of Leo. So when you add it on the Aynamsha, it stayed in Leo. So there are circumstances where you will get the same Rashi or constellation or sign. You'll get the same constellation in Jyotisha as the Western sign. That would be a really good way to language it. Sure. Or the same Rashi in Jyotisha as the Western sign. So there won't be a shift, but the degree will be different. This is going to uh, affect the rising sign as well. For those of you that understand what a rising sign is, I'll talk about that some other podcast, how how that's done. Right. But uh, if you understand that, those of you out there, what a rising sign is, you may wind up with a different ascendant. In fact, most likely you will wind up with a different ascendant. Um, in the uh, Jyotisha system, as in the Western system, and the same with the sun and the same with the moon. This is what produces the identity crisis. Especially if someone has an exalted sun. <laughs> 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 How come my son's not an Aries exalted? Or an exalted moon or anything like that. You know, then there's kind of this what? <laughs> what? Yeah. What did you say? And then, of course, the converse can be true. Oh my God, my moon's not debilitated anymore. How wonderful if the moon now is in Sagittarius, or sorry, back into Libra rather than in um, Scorpio. So, you know, there's glee on both sides of the aisle, so to speak. <laughs> it, can, right. it can go either direction. The point is, though, that in Jyotisha, within its system, there is this consistency. Within the Western system, there is a consistency. And often what happens is, if someone loses their son in Aries, something in the Jyotish chart seems to take up that kind of um, um, archetype somewhere, somehow. And so often, something happens that creates at least some kind of similar um, glasses, Looking through some similar glasses somewhere somehow, and you know, it all works out in the end. And since Jyotisha is not a solely a solar system, in fact, it's solely lunar. Uh, Jyotisha uh, deals with the dance between sun and moon. Some say it's only it's it's primarily lunar based. That may be based on the fact that the nakshatras are some of the um, uh, oldest references in the Jyotish system, but sure. if you look to the to the Panchanga, which is the basically the Indian almanac where everything is calculated, it's a dance between the sun and the moon. And you look at the the uh, sun's position, you know, the the days of the week, you know, on a solar basis, and the moon, the nakshatras, and then there's uh, there's other calculations, the day of the moon, the yogas, which are the Combinations between sun and moon, all all of these all of these things um, balance out to a balanced solely lunar system, and also the the emphasis on the um, sign of the sun as, uh, as as seen in the Western uh, paradigm is greatly diminished, and Jyotisha becomes a great triumvirate. Remember, I talked about the triangle of Shastra. Shishya and Guru in an earlier session, the stability of that, the checks and balances of that. Uh, Same happens from the point of view of emphasis. You know, where is it that you read from? What's the most important point of view? And from uh, the jyotish position, there's a triumvirate. You read from the ascendant, which really is very important, uh, because it structures the whole chart. You read from the point of view of the moon, as an ascendant, so a moon chart, and you read from the point of view of uh, Surya, the sun. It's called Sudarshana point of view. Su meaning good, darshana meaning sight. So to have the best viewpoint, the best sight of someone's karmas, you use this uh, idea of the stable looking from this three-point of view, and when they coincide, you have a powerful tool for what is primary for that particular person so i hope that this um, helped clear up this um, uh, <laughs> okay. conundrum okay. right uh, i know i have this uh, such a huge percentage of the time of people who you know well i mean i just don't understand you know how <laughs> this to <gonna> shift it <laughs> and you know this I, I don't know if i can kind of reconcile this new look and I just tell them, just relax, you know, just relax. You'll find that um, uh, there will be things that will sound very familiar, and then there'll be another point of view that will also be familiar. But it's just a different lens. You know, Maharshi, um, uh, a teacher we also have in common, used to say something so beautiful uh, in terms of different viewpoints on the same object, and he would use the analogy of a diamond. And he would say, you can describe that diamond, and every facet of the diamond has a little bit different way it reflects light. And in order to really know that diamond, you you would describe every facet and the subtleties of the differences. And then you would have a complete picture. So there's no problem you know, with having um, different divination systems shedding uh, a little bit different point of view, a little bit different emphasis, and using the tools that are consistent with their system. Problem comes when there is indiscriminate mixing of the systems and people don't know that's what's going on. That can lead more to um, muddiness rather than clarity.
0: Well, I think you're right, and I I think that it it, it can be very dangerous to to mix the two, um, but it's also interesting that that um, that the two systems taken on their own merits work just fine. Um, exactly. I've never known I've never learned Western astrology uh, to any any depth at all, but I have friends who have, and and. Um, uh, it seems to me that the more that they learn about each system, the more that they insist on keeping them separate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's just uh, two different paths to the same goal, or two absolutely. different perspectives on the same reality.
1: Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And I think
0: each system has its own strengths. I, th- I mean, I think, uh, I'm not sure that in Western astrology there is the the, the predictive tools in, to the extent that there are in, in Jyotish. Mm-hmm. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that?
1: I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Um, but you know, there's a couple of. I'm going to come back to this point in just a second. There, I want to be clear that Jotisho is totally aware of um, the Siam uh, or tropical system, and in fact, you know, in cert, there are certain functions. Where that was used in India uh, in calendar, some aspects of calendar making, for example.
0: Huh, interesting. Uh,
1: but when it comes to prediction, when it comes to prediction, uh, Jyotisha always uses uh, Nirayana Chakra, uh, the sidereal, for mm. predictive purposes right. uh, for Jataka, for uh, for the reading of, of horoscopes. Now I want to just get back to your uh, your point of. Um, what was your point of, of um, different points of view? Um, right. Well, predictive, less predictive. Oh, yeah, less talk. predictive. That was the point. Uh, you know, one thing that's often said about Jyotashe is that it's predictive and it isn't psychological. You know, it doesn't do as good a job in psychological profiling. And, you know, this is something we might address more fully later, but I'm just since you've brought this up, I'll just kind of drop this in. Mm-hmm. It That actually is not true. Uh, it's thought to be true because the astrological works, like uh, Purāsha, etc., don't kind of emphasize that. And the reason is that they assume that when you use a word like manas, that the Jyotishi has already been fully trained in the psychological implications of that, because that's been discussed in other systems like Samkhya philosophy. For example, oh, where all point, those yeah. categories. So, so it is assumed, it's a given, that a properly trained jyotishi already knows about ahankara being what we would call the ego principle, um, and all of those things are in place. And you would be amazed at the depth of psychological insight if you really do um, uh, enter into jyotisha with um, a background. Of training in the tradition and in, in the technical terms of the tradition, uh, having seriously studied them, it, you'll find that it is as powerful um, a psychological tool as um, you know as anything. Psychoanalysis as I remember. I'll give you just a personal experience, and this isn't tooting my horn at all. This is you know again all coming from. Um, From the tradition and from the way uh, I was taught but I had an occasion to counsel um, a couple couple counseling going on and using you know various techniques pinpointing where their issues were you know psychologically as a couple you know where the hot spots were and uh, however because I'm not a trained marriage counselor uh, it would be beyond my level of responsibility to uh, to counsel them. You know, so I sent them to a marriage counselor, someone trained that I, I referred them to, someone I didn't know, but I got re- references. They went to that uh, marriage counselor and kind of, because what I told them was, here are the issues, what you need are the tools. You know, How do I deal with this? Right. And the techniques from, from modern psychology of dealing with coping mechanisms. And so they went to her and said, here are our issues. <laughs> we need the tools. <laughs> And then they, you know, kind of discussed the issue. She said, where did you find this out? You know, this would have taken me a year, you know, in counseling to kind of come up with. So I'm only saying this because this is kind of the brilliant insight. Um, And so, yes, Jyotish is predictive, but um, we shouldn't underestimate uh, its ability to, you know, stand there with the best of them. In terms of the kinds of things that Western astrology often brings out—personality you know, types, you know, psychological states—all uh, of those kinds of things. so well, I would agree
0: with that a hundred percent. And indeed, the the, the kind of a, the astrology that I do, which is uh, primarily either over the phone or with email, um, I find that uh, taking a look at a person's birth chart, um, you can. Arrive at a very good picture of their personality extraordinarily fast, mm-hmm. uh, and I think I think it 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 is a matter to some extent of, of of practice and training, and and mine is not as as rigorous as it should be, but uh, I've never found any lack in in jyotish in in you know being able to see what's going on in in terms of a person's life experience, and my very first reading with Mr. K.N. Rao, our teacher, uh, he, within less than a minute, identified a number of things that were very, very specific to my life experience, and it was really quite extraordinary.
1: Yeah, it is. It is.
0: So I think it probably has more to do with the, the person using the tool than the tool itself. I exactly. Think the, t- the, the was, tool's fine.
1: <laughs> exactly, and that's the point. It's a question of choice. You know, some astrologers really like the predictive side others you know prefer to deal with um you know the more counseling uh, personality right. Right. you know psychological side and Indians as a whole as a as a population seeking jyotisha mm. at least traditionally this is changing rapidly changing um generally take their problems to their guru you know to their spiritual advisors and go to jyotishis for the prediction for the more mundane matters so that's also a reason why sometimes Jyotish has the appearance of dealing less with, oh, say, you know, spiritual predictions and psychological stuff, because Jyotishis weren't so much called on to do that. Um, uh, the structure of Indian society was others perform that function. Sure. But as it's moved west, and even expatriated um, Indians here in the west, I find uh, um, there's a lot of comfort. Uh, that comes from understanding who they are through the lens of gentrism. So it it is changing even in in that way.
0: Sure.
1: So my conclusion is, if you find your son is not in Aries, don't worry, your Venus might wind up in a better place. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, on a more serious note, there's a structural difference based on this, this... difference in the point of view of uh, what your reference point is, but each system operates beautifully, each system has a value, and if you choose to um, come to um, either study or have a Jyotish reading and you have had a lot of experience in Western astrology, then just come with a, with a fresh and open point of view and uh, enjoy the information and relax.
0: Well, Penny, how can people reach you?
1: Oh, well, I have a website. Uh it's www.vedicchart.com. And actually I have a blog also, which is um uh, dot com.
0: And it's V E D I C C H A R T. Two C's in there.
1: That's right, two C's. And and then the email's consistent too. It's info at Vedicchart.com.
0: Okay.